Please join me in prayer. Almighty Father, the great and awesome, mighty one of the universe, the only Father, the one who has our lives in his hands. We pray that what we do here, what we would say here, would edify you in all that we do so that we know that you are there. We know that you hold us in the palm of your hand. We thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray for more understanding, a greater need for your word. We also ask for you to comfort those who have lost loved ones recently and that you'll give them the hope of the salvation that awaits. We pray also that you'll be with this message that what we might say here would be edifying to you and that each of us would come away with a greater knowledge and understanding. And this prayer and petition now we ask in Yasha's name. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. So in eight days, the world will embrace the world of the demonic. You know, few realize how treacherous it is to dabble in spiritualism at any level. It's a fact that if you want to engage the demonic, there are spirits out there that are willing, itching to indulge you. Of course, I'm talking about Halloween. When spiritual revival came to the ancient pagan city of Ephesus through the ministry of Paul, we witness a righteous fear of the people that caused them to rid themselves of the occult attachments that they were so involved in. Acts 19.13 says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the master Yahshua, saying, We adjure you by Yahshua, whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. I don't know that they were realizing what was about to happen. And the evil spirit answered and said, Yahshua, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them. And the name of the master Yahshua was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which had curious arts, palm readers and such as that, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That's the kind of money they were making. With the occult, so mightily grew the word of Elohim and prevailed. When someone asks you whether you're ready for Halloween or Xmas, just tell them, you strictly follow the Bible, and that holiday is not in it. I remember when I was working, someone came up to uh, our, our office, and one of the personnel there asked, uh, well, are you ready for Halloween? And he simply says, my faith does not permit me to keep that 
I thought that was an excellent response. It actually drew a response from them. Well, what do you mean? You know, what's wrong with it? Well, you see, it's not in the Bible. And uh, anyway, they got into a little discussion. One uh, who was uh, asking him this question was of the, of the Roman persuasion. And, well, it's a church holiday. And, uh, of course, he had to explain a few things, which I'm going to do today, too, as well. Halloween is one of the oldest celebrations in the world. After Xmas, it's the most celebrated and commercially profitable secular holiday. And we all can see it in all the advertisements and the stores, everybody running around trying to buy their candy and their costumes. It's displaced Easter as the number two on the world's holiday hit parade to the tune of $10 billion this year. $10 billion is what they project in sales on candy, costumes, parties, not to mention the Christmasization, I call it, of Halloween. There are now Halloween trees decorated with ghosts and pumpkins, orange string lights on houses, and even gross displays of the observance increasingly popping up on lawns. There's one right out here. It's amazing what they must have spent on it. And it's also grotesque. So why does the culture obsess over Halloween? What's the draw? Why? What's the... Uh, Motivation, because there's no money in Thanksgiving? No. There's always a demand out there to party, and this observance is especially attractive to our culture. But it's more. Halloween is a made-for-holiday, or Hollywood, extravaganza with all of the elements Hollywood loves. Murder, mayhem, spiritism, fear, gore intrigue. Halloween has it all. As the culture continues declining in debauchery, Halloween shines, rises to the top. I thought that letter, the, the poem that uh, Jose read, pretty much nailed it. It is not only the most profane of popular holiday uh, observances or holidays, but it also competes with each other I should say with itself each year to be better, even more grow gruesome. You know, really, what a weird observance. What a weird thing that people do. <clears throat> Think about its strange over-the-top customs and why they keep doing them every year. And it gets more and more and more. Why? What redeeming value is there in grotesque displays of guts and gore, monsters and mayhem? The more grotesque it becomes, the more the world wants more and clamors for more and worse. And it just builds on itself. Many argue, well, you can't take Halloween fun away from the children. Question, do you want your children to indulge in what I've just said? To learn these things? Where is the spiritually redeeming value in this observance? What, what's the point? How does it teach solid, wholesome, life-preparing lessons that make the child a well-adjusted uh, individual in our world? Compare the scriptural holy days. There's no contest with the goodness they teach and the fulfillment you're left with after you've observed one of them. Even at its base, the entire trick-or-treat Right is built on extortion, the same thing the pirates do in Somalia. Give me this or I'll give you that. 
Today, just as many adults as children revel in the unhallowed observance, and they're just as ignorant about why. What's the point of murderous scenes and mayhem all around? A chance to let loose and indulge in obsessions. Is this what people long for? Is this where we've come? You know, fun is fun, but the right kind is uh, what you want. The wholesome variety that leaves you feeling deep down good and happy and fulfilled, conscience-free, that's fun. Have you ever looked beneath the surface of this bizarre observance called Halloween, where it even gets its name? As Jose says, he replaced the A with an O, and that's basically, it's certainly a hollow observance. When Yahweh tells us in Jeremiah 10:2 not to learn the way of the heathen, Nothing fits better, I think, than Halloween. He warns in Leviticus 19, 26, you shall not eat anything with the blood. An appropriate metaphor in this context, I think. Neither shall you use enchantments nor observe times. Regard not them that have familiar spirits. Neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. In other words, put me first. You're not going to be doing this kind of stuff. Yahweh hates all things evil, witchcraft, divination, sorcery, medium spirits. It's a fact that the essence of something comes out in its manifestations. You can take a putrefying apple. You can paint it up real nice, put a little ribbon bow around it, uh, decorate it with all sorts of things, but you still have an apple that's rotten to the core. And no matter how good it can be made to appear, it has no use but to be tossed out. We just observe the highlight celebration of the Bible, the Feast of Tabernacles. Those who attend this feast find out that just being there fills them with a rich spiritual satisfaction you can't get anywhere else. An indescribable glow they never experienced before, especially the ones that this is their first feast. That's Yahweh's spirit working. That's the kind of thing we want to observe. You begin to sense deep within the contrast with the insignificance and inadequacy of this pitiful world. Compare it to anything in this world. There's nothing. There's nothing out there. Those who treat Yahweh's feast as optional just don't comprehend them on multiple levels. Fundamentally, They don't know the one they worship or they would never defy him in such a direct manner once they understand that he wants us, tells us, commands us to keep his days. Too many are tainted by the habit of non-observance. They've never done it before and continue on in that vein. Non-compliance is a forceful opposition in itself. It has its own inertia, its own poles, that keep people back. And just the reverse happens with the world's days. Just the opposite happens. It has its own power that way too. Getting others to take the first step and break free of what they've always done, their traditions, is, uh, is the first and biggest step. To break that inertia. It's a huge step. But once you've done it, you want to continue doing it. The Bible's observances are not just casual pursuits like the 4th of July or family reunions or weekend outings. These are Yahweh's commanded days. 
His people, if they are truly his people, have no choice. They will observe his days. They will attend. Every time a feast comes around, you can count on their presence. His people have no choice. They have been given a command from their very maker, the very judge who one day will judge them, and excuses will not be honored in heaven. On the other hand, Halloween is an observance bought, blessed, and baptized by the Roman church. Its irreverence is more than legendary, and its only value is to make retailers who sell all of its entrapments and its associated merchandise wealthy. Paul warns in 2 Corinthians 11.14 that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. They're going to find something good about it. He is a counterfeiter par excellence. That, that means he can make an out-and-out perversion look pleasing or at least fun, and so the falsehood seems white as snow. So what about this holiday? If someone were to question you, where did it come from? I'd kind of like to know, and uh, without having to go to Google, you can explain it to them, where it came from. Scriptural reasons why it's utterly incompatible with the walk of a true worshiper. I hope I can help with that today. Were you aware that Israel of old did as the churches today in observing Halloween? I don't mean they observed Halloween, but they did the same type of perversions. Scriptures state that Israel, too, joined with pagan feasts on the border of Canaan. Isaiah condemned it as an abomination unto Elohim in Isaiah 8.19. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their Elohim for the living to the dead? Well, we know the answer to that. What are the roots behind this holiday? Holiday, of course, it comes from the word holy day, and there's certainly nothing holy about it. Historically, Halloween is a union of four ancient threads that come together, hence my title there. We're going to untangle them through the centuries to form the tangled web that exists today. So let's briefly trace each one back to its origin. The first strand originated in Western Europe long before Yahshua came to earth with a people known as the Celts. The Celts who lived in the area that is now Ireland, United Kingdom, Northern France, were a warring, thoroughly pagan people who worshipped many G.O.D.s. They were known as Gauls by the Romans. Incidentally, some of these Gauls migrated to Galatia, and that's what Paul was talking about when he goes to Galatia and tells them that you're... Uh, well, let's read Galatians 4.8. But then, when you knew not Yahweh, you did service unto them, which by nature are no mighty ones. But now, after you are, uh, have uh, known Yahweh, or rather are known of Yahweh, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? He's talking about these Gauls going back to their pagan ways. Not talking about the feasts. People say, oh, it's talking about the feasts. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's... Just the opposite of what he's saying. Those days that are no mighty ones? No, he's not talking about Yahweh. Weak and beggarly elements? That's not Yahweh's feast. You observe days and months and times and years. I fear for you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. I give you all this truth, and you go back, once I leave, to the old ways. He says, 
Watch it. You got it wrong. He wasn't condemning true worshipers. Notice in in chapter 4, he said, you desire to return to the weak and beggarly elements. Weak and beggarly elements. The, The nonsense that the world gets into. That's what he's talking about. It kept you in bondage. He was, in fact, telling these Gauls, these Celts, not to go back to their old worthless paganism. So what were their beliefs? What did they, what did they, how did they worship and why? They believed that demons and spirits were everywhere. They believed that omens were found under every rock and behind every tree. They counted on their priests, the Druids, to keep them safe from trouble. The Druids were responsible for all the religious rituals that they did as they were the only ones who could talk to a G.O.D., they believed. Even though these Celts were ruled by various kings, the real power behind the thrones, and the kings knew it, were the Druids, because they could cast spells and stuff that they believed they were doing. A secretive, bloodthirsty society who ruled by terror, sorcery, and witchcraft. Even the Celtic kings feared the black powers of the Druid priests. Now, the most important religious day for the Druids was for the celebration of, if you look at it just the way it's written, you would say Samhain, but it's really pronounced Samhain. Samhain, Lord of the dead, basically Satan. A brother sent me just this week an interesting article about a cave in Ireland It was considered by the ancient Celts to be a passage between Ireland and its devil-infested other world. On Nagat means cave of the cats, was the birthplace of the Samhain festival. Now this was 5,500 years ago. They found a cave and they believed this was the start of the devil-worshipping, which involved... Samhain Festival, the ancient roots of Halloween, according to Irish archaeologist Daniel Curley. Far from the child-friendly event it has become, uh, that's debatable, Halloween can trace its origins to a bloody and eerie ritual marked in Cathargon, a former Celtic center buried beneath the farmland of Ireland's county Roscommon. It's a 5,500-year-old mystery slowly being decoded by scientists and historians. I found that fascinating. I appreciated that sent to me. The Celtic New Year began on November 1st. The night before, October 31st, does that ring a bell? Was the night in reverence Sawan, God of the Dead, who was none other than Satan. It was the time of falling leaves and seasonal dying of vegetation when the days grew shorter and shorter. The nights grew longer. So it was a time of dying, vegetation. The world, look around, it was all dying. Trees, it looks like they were dying. The seasonal dying of vegetation, a time chosen by these northern Europeans to celebrate the Lord of the Dead. There was a prevailing belief among all nations that at death, souls of good men 
went to paradise, and the bad were left to wander in the space between earth and the moon, the unseen world. These wandering spirits were in the habit of haunting the living. Now we're getting into the essence of what Halloween is all about. They believed that on the night of October 31st, the spirit world came in closest contact to the mortal world. The scary time for them. On this night, the disembodied spirits of all the evil ones, the ones were floating around out there in the sky, who had died during the preceding year, would come back in search of living bodies to possess for the next year. It was believed to be the spirit's only hope for the afterlife. To be free of these spirits, you had to do something. You set out food and provided shelter for them during the night so they wouldn't do bad things to you. If they were satisfied with your offerings, they would leave you in peace. And if food, shelter, and provisions were not provided, these evil spirits would cast spells, wreak havoc on man and beast, endlessly torment the living. If the proper treat was not awarded to them to appease them, they would respond with an appropriate trick. Thus was born the trick-or-treat exercise. In modern-day Satanism and also in witchcraft covens, this is the day when Satan himself comes to fellowship with his followers. We're talking about dancing with Satan on Halloween. To protect themselves, the Celts would try to fool these wicked spirits by dressing up and masquerading as evil themselves. Ghosts, spirits, ghouls, trying to get them to get away, you see. They wore masks and costumes disguised so that they would not be recognized as mortals and not risk becoming possessed by the evil spirits they thought roamed around the countryside on Halloween night. So now Tommy, with no clue as to why he goes trick-or-treating every year, other than he did it last year and the year before, and all his friends are doing it, and besides he loves the goodies that he gets, puts on a grotesque mask and a costume, and knocks on your door, pretending to be evil and threatening. He wants a treat, or you'll get a trick. Just like those malicious spirits of old did Satan's bidding. You know, the ghastly climax to this dark night were animal and human sacrifices to placate the Lord of the dead or devil himself. These rituals were carried out by priestly druids who would murder their victims, and I won't go into detail, how they did it, and use the blood for religious rites. They would also use the entrails and the organs to divine the future and forecast the new year. Isn't this what Paul said to avoid? Didn't Paul said about divining the future days, months, times, and years of Galatians? Chapter 4. The sacrificial remains were then burned in bone fires, which we call bonfires, took the E out of it, becomes bonfires, and burned up the evidence, so to speak. Make no mistake, this is a deadly serious time for the Celts. They were filled with apprehension. These were superstitious people to begin with. Many dangers lurked, at least in their minds, during this time. The ancients believed the crops were in jeopardy. Cows maybe won't give milk anymore. Uh, animals could be killed, milk could be spoiled, all because of this window of opportunity for evil spirits. It was a frightening time, 
and grim prospect for the superstitious. And even though the Celts were eventually conquered by the Romans, their pagan practices were never fully removed, never fully rooted out of Western Europe. Many of their rites also survive in the Xmas observance today, kind of an intermingling. When the Puritans came to America, they were far too biblically astute to have anything to do with Halloween, to indulge in such occult practices. They knew that all forms of the occult were strictly forbidden in the word. However, in the 18th and 19th centuries, a host of immigrants emigrated to America from the British Isles, particularly during the Irish potato famine, you know what I'm talking about. With them came many of their ancient pagan practices, including Samhain, the festival of the dead, or Halloween. They brought it all with them. And so this thoroughly occult and sinister observance took root in American soil. Well, that's the first strand. The second strand of the tangled web originates with the ancient Romans. Besides the Celts, the Romans, along with many other ancient people, celebrated harvest time in the fall of each year. Their festival was in honor of Pomona, the deity of fruit. Now you know why apples are so prominent in the Halloween observance. Apple duck eating, you know, and uh, put an apple in the sack when they say trick-or-treat, this sort of thing. Although society has made die, their beliefs and practices live on and on and on, embraced by the sec- next generation. It's natural for carnal man to keep alive his traditions, especially the profane ones. For some reason, that has a special pull. Man is drawn to evilness, and he's drawn to sin, and it comes naturally. Following Yahweh's word is unnatural, and it takes effort, and it takes a pull against it, the evil. And so secular holidays are overwhelmingly possible, popular. Yahweh's commanded observances, on the other hand, eh, I don't know, not so much. That's why you find a few thousand keeping the Feast of Tabernacles and many millions keeping Halloween. Jeremiah 17.9 says about the natural man, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? The evil that man can do. And I remember someone said, man, I'm sure, I'm sure man doesn't judge me. I'm sure glad it's Yahweh, or Yahshua, actually. I may, not, uh, I may not survive long if it's man. Well, we have a, an advocate with the Father. Yahshua the Messiah, so I'm glad we do. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doings. The Roman general Agrippa built the first pantheon, which means a temple for all gods. Pan means all. Theos, of course, means God. In 27 BCE, it was rebuilt by the Roman emperor Hadrian in about the year 100 and dedicated primarily to Cybel, the goddess of nature. Since it was a pantheon, pan meaning all mighty ones, many deities were worshipped there. The pantheon became the principal place of worship for the Romans and the place where they went to honor and pray for their dead. The Bible never says pray for the dead. We pray for the living. Rome eventually fell to the invading barbarian horde who overran the Pantheon, along with everything else. Gradually, it fell into disrepair in the year 607. It was recaptured by the Emperor Phocas, who 
gave it as a gift to Bonif Pope Boniface IV. Then he reconsecrated it and dedicated the Pantheon to the Virgin Mary. In other words, the Roman church baptized a pagan temple and enlisted it in its own worship. So from CE 609, the Pantheon was used as a Christian church called Santa Marie Rotunda. It was an easy enough transition from Cybele, goddess of nature, to Mary, mother of the Savior. Every May, a major celebration was held in the Pantheon to the Virgin Mary. This happened with a lot of pagan edifices. They were just rebaptized and reused. Instead of tearing them down, as Yahweh commanded Israel to do with the pagan altars in the lands that they conquered, they just moved their own icons in and reordered re, uh, the worship there, kept using them. The result was a blurring and a confusion of worship, exactly what Yahweh wanted his people to avoid and exactly what we get in it, celebrations like Halloween. This happened with Beliefs as well inserted their own versions and just kept on going. While the Roman church had sought to Christianize the culture, she has more often been dominated by pagan trappings. And so today, a Halloween-observing Christian fools themselves into thinking they can just celebrate with Satan and still be saved by J.C., the second stream that flows into Halloween involves syncretism, syncretism, coming together, the combining and merging of different religious distinctives into one religion. They don't call it the universal church for nothing. Isaiah 5.20 warns those who call evil good and good evil, woe to them who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Halloween is one of the blatant examples of the merging of different religious beliefs and uh, practices into a single observance. Along comes the pagan Roman emperor Constantine, and he makes Catholicism the official state religion in the Edict of Milan in 313. And now the whole Bible-confessing world was sucked into this hodgepodge religion with a faithful remnant pretty much left out. During the Dark Ages, the Roman church had sought to increase its influence over many pagans as they conquered different societies. Many pagan superstitions and practices that the church had early on sought to eradicate began to reappear in Europe during the same period. Involvement in witchcraft became widespread. One of the key rites of witchcraft was the number of celebrations held each year called Witches' Sabbaths. The most important of those was known as the High Sabbath or Black Sabbath, which occurs, you guessed it, on October 31st. It was a night of feasting and revelry. It was that feast that provided the many trappings of modern-day Halloween, like witches riding on broomsticks. That's where that came from. Black cats, skulls, and pumpkins. So much of today's Halloween rites stem directly from this witches' Sabbath, celebrated in Europe during the Dark Ages. Some believe that spirits could be warded off by carving faces into pumpkins, actually used turnips at first, a root vegetable, and placing a candle inside of it. 
The word jack-o'-lantern is an abbreviation for jack of the lantern, and jack is another word for Satan. In the Iris tale, a man named Jack was found to playing tricks on the devil. Annoyed, the devil tossed a burning coal to Jack from hell. With this coal his, in the lantern, Jack was condemned to walk the earth, searching for rest. Because goats, ghosts and witches feared fire, the candle within the jack-o'-lantern, as well as the scary face, became a defensive armor against evil spirits, the influence of evil, in front of the home. We see it all over the place. Witches used skulls on Halloween to communicate better with the dead. It was also believed by witches that they derived black, their, from black cats the power to invoke evil spirits. The Celts were particularly fearful of black cats because they thought the animals were originally humans who had been transformed by sinister powers. A third strand now, we're not done, there's more to develop this Halloween in the historical development, gives the name Halloween. In the early Roman church, there was a movement to honor and reverence the lives of certain church leaders and martyrs. They were put in a special category called saints. While the Bible calls living believers saints, the Romans, the Roman church used the term for dead church people. One saint was honored for each day of the year. Church father Chrysostom tells us that as early as the 4th century, the Eastern Church celebrated a festival in honor of the saints. Eventually, there came to be more saints than there were days. You know, one saint per day, more, they had too many saints, not enough days. The solution was to consolidate the remembrance of them all into one day. They called it All Saints Day. We'll just lump them all into one day. In the year 705, Pope Gregory III changed the celebration date of All Saints Day to November 1st. In 834, Pope Gregory extended the uh, Gregory IV extended the celebration to the entire Roman Church. This was an apparent attempt to coincide with the ancient Druidic festival of Samhain. The Church wanted to accommodate itself to this recently conquered German Saxons and Norsemen of Scandinavia. So it simply baptized yet another pagan celebration. Even later, in the year 1000, the church would make November 2 All Saints Day. I'm sorry, All Souls Day. I get all confused. A day to honor the dead. It was celebrated similarly to Samhain with bonfires, parades, dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. So if you Celts want to keep Samhain, just switch over to our All Saints Day instead. To make it more palatable, they just swap symbols. The problem is these symbols of Samhain were the ones to survive to be the predominant rep representation of the transformed observance. So where did the name Halloween derive? Well, together... The three celebrations now, the three that we talked about, the eve of all saints, all saints, and all souls were encompassed by all hallow mass. All hallow mass. It was shortened into all hallows for the hallowed ones or saints who were being remembered. The night before, which 
course, would be October 31st, came to be called All Hallow Evening, the day before the All Saints Day. It, too, gradually was for, uh, shortened to All Hallow Eve, then Hallow Even, and finally Halloween. In fact, you'll still see it spelled apostrophe E-N on the end. So a day that started out as a remembrance of the saints progressed to a reverence for the saints and finally ended as worship of the saints. This is the polytheistic pagan out, out there uh, worshiping his many gods. And remember, we now have a pagan pantheon to do it in. It was an unholy marriage of the saints and Samhain. As it were, a union of light and darkness, an effort to commingle the cup of the master with the cup of demons. Turn to Corinthians first, uh, 1 Corinthians 10. We'll see what Yahweh himself says about this syncretism. Verse 19. What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to Yahweh. I would that you should have fellowship with, I would not that you should have fellowship with devils, You cannot drink the cup of Yahweh and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of Yahweh's table and the table of devils. What does that say to us? We can't have both. We can't do both. The sinister web is intertwined to form a polluted net called Halloween that catches so many unsuspected celebrators unaware. Satan has given the true sinister nature of Halloween, a seemingly benign cultural veneer that we kind of covers it all up. Innocent fun and even respectability. He's the master of deceit. He's the master of disguise. His favorite deception is convinced educated people that he really does not exist. What better way for him to infiltrate hearts and minds when he doesn't exist, he says. than through the ruse that he himself is just a harmless caricature in a red bodysuit. It's all just fun and diversion, amusement for the children, just put him in the same harmless category as fairy tales and make-believe. He's got it all sewed up. He's got this one wrapped up tight. When Yahweh gave the promised land to the early Israelites, he clearly warned them in Deuteronomy 18, 9, when you come into the land which Yahweh your Elohim gives you, You shall not learn to do after the abomination of these nations. Don't do it. Don't do it. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. This is the religion of the Canaanites, Moloch, or that uses divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. I don't want to see any of that among my people, he says. For all that do these things are abomination unto Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh your Elohim doth drive them out from before you. He didn't want them even around. Get rid of them. Get them out of the promised land. Because what happens when you dance with the devil? <laughs> you become part of it. Get them out of here. You shall be perfect with Yahweh. He says, for these nations which you shall possess 
Hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for you, Yahweh, your Elohim, has not suffered you to do that, to be so, to do what they do. Whenever the apostles encountered fortune-telling, witchcraft, and the occult, they rebuked it. And they rebuked it strongly and resisted it with utmost force. Read Acts 8 about Simon the sorcerer. Remember him? He wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. He was told in verse 22 to repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray, Elohim, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. This had capitalized on the economic opportunities of the occult and witchcraft, just as many businessmen today have exploited Halloween into financial bonanza. Today, the masses just drift along, letting whatever happens in the world push them, culture them, shape them in their own personal beliefs and practices, not stopping to question anything. It's sad. But they leap blindly over the cliff. It never crosses the minds of most to ask what Yahweh, their creator, thinks about it, what he says about it, what they do and how they live in their lives, and Halloween is no exception. They expect him to bend to their desires and lifestyle. Can we mix light with darkness? Is a little compromise with idolatry acceptable to a sovereign mighty one? Can we do that? Will he reward such behavior? Maybe just look the other way when we dabble in these annual ancient rites and then Embrace us again when it's all over. Oh, come on, it's just for the children. Imagine Yahweh giving a passive nod of approval as he sees witchcraft being glorified at Halloween. Imagine this in light of Exodus twenty-two eighteen, where he thunders in his law, you shall not suffer a witch to live. There's no question where he stands, but where do we stand? Participating in the practices of heathenism as is done in Halloween is expressly denounced in the word. Read Deuteronomy 12, 29. When Yahweh your Elohim shall cut off the nations from before you, whither you go to possess them, and you succeed them, and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you be not snared by following them. He knew what would happen, that they be destroyed from before you, and that you inquire not after their mighty ones, saying, how did these nations serve their mighty ones? Even so will I do likewise. You shall not do so unto Yahweh your Elohim, for every abomination to Yahweh, which he hates, have they done unto their mighty, mighty ones. Every abomination he hates, they do it. What Yahweh says, do, they don't. What Yahweh says, don't do, they do. That's our world. For every abomination to Yahweh, which he hates, have they done unto their mighty ones. For even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their mighty ones. What thing whatsoever I command you, observe to do, and you shall not add thereto nor diminish from it. And that was what happened with this synchronism. They added, added, added worship. Keep going. I remember seeing uh, around the Ishtar time, driving down the road, I saw a tree with eggs hanging all over it. There again, syncretism, trying to mix two different observances. 
One of the biggest problems with Old Testament Israel was their inability to keep their worship pure. Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, tells us that their experiences are an example for us. That we should not lust after, uh, after evil things as they also lusted after. Yahweh does not accept compromise with any other belief system, let alone practices that spring from the deepest, darkest bowels of rank heathenism and superstition. It's a basic principle that the origin of something determines its nature. Go back and look at it. We already talked about it. Go back and look at how it started. Again, you can take an already rotten board, you can paint it up real nice, put a nice sheen on it, make it look really good, decorate it with ribbons all around, but you still have lumber that's rotten and only good to be burned up, thrown out. And that's the essence of Halloween. It's an observance that has been baptized by the church and made to appear consecrated, made to appear by that body as good. Its putridness is obvious, and it has no better purpose than to make retailers wealthy. Paul warned in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan masquerades as an angel of light he is the counterfeiter par excellence. He knows, he knows where to get it. He knows how to push it. He knows the results of it. He's had thousands of years of experience. That means he can make an out-and-out -out perversion even look good, at least fun, and a falsehood look like the truth. So what about this holiday? If someone were to question you why you don't keep it, could you give them solid, good, solid scriptural reasons, historical reasons why it's incompatible with the walk of a true worshiper? I hope I've helped refresh your understanding. I know we go through this every year, but uh, there are more and more new people coming on who want to know what's wrong with it. You know, So I hope I've, I've helped in their understanding and maybe given you a good little review yourself. May Yahweh bless you.